0: we do want to say welcome. And if you're new, and I know we probably have a good number of new people today. It's kind of that time of year where people are getting back into rhythms or getting into new rhythms. Thank you for joining us. Mm -hmm. I'm Rob Sweet. This is Lloyd Shadrach. We have two teaching pastors here at Fellowship. We have two campuses. And so Lloyd and I rotate between the two campuses, but every once in a while, I think it's only been a handful of times we've ever gotten to do this, we get to be here together. And so we're here together for a purpose this morning. We're gonna kick off and really introduce a new study that we're doing, and we want to ground that study in big picture. So I'll talk about that in just a minute of how today is going to work. But let me just say, first of all, if you are new to fellowship, we hope that you will get to know us better at your pace. And we'd love to get to know you better when you're ready for that. We encourage you to go to this website, connectedfellowship.com, and there you'll get more information about how to get connected at fellowship. We have a class the first Sunday of every month called Intro to Fellowship. It's happening right now in the barn over there. So next time first of September, first uh, Sunday in September. You can be a part of that if you wanna sign up more information is on that website. And then I also wanna say thank you. So many of you have said yes to our invitation to serve over the last four or five mm-hmm. weeks. We are so grateful. We only have a couple areas where we still need some folks. One is in our student ministries, our middle school and high school area on Wednesday nights. We're looking for a handful of great people who are willing to jump in with those kids and help them as they are following Jesus with their whole hearts. And so it's a phenomenal ministry. We'd love for you to be a part of that. And then we have a few spaces in our fellowship kids, which by the look of things with these teal colored t-shirts all around the room, many of you have said yes to that Mm -hmm. opportunity. So thanks for doing that as well. But we do have some other spots one thing that we wanna make sure, if you have reached out and said, I'm willing to serve, but you haven't yet found a team, please follow up with that and let us help you find the right spot to serve because we still do need some folks. So thank you for that. Every week we say this, but we're grateful that we get a chance to give. And you know, Lloyd and I take part of this, all of our staff and you all. We as a body Pull together the resources that God has given us so that the gospel can go out from here and literally to the ends of the earth, the far corners of the earth, where our money goes. So thank you for that. If you wanna learn more about giving, you can go to that website. You can also text that phone number. And that's a way that you can steward the money that God has given you for the kingdom. Let me explain just a little bit more information about what we're gonna do today. And then I'm gonna hand it back over to Lloyd. He's gonna jump in with part one. You know, we thought rather than just jump into John, this is the kind of, year, kind of time of year that a lot of churches sort of do a, a state of the church, so to speak. So we're gonna do a little bit of that, but, but with our own flavor this morning. We're gonna start off by talking about where, where are we? Like, like go ahead and put the slide up. Where we are, not just as a church, but as a culture. It's been an interesting couple of years, and we wanna talk about that. Then we're gonna talk about where we're going, which is the mission, not just our mission as a church, but the mission, big picture. What is God doing in our time and in our place? And then finally, what is our next step? Well, it's gonna to be to jump into this series in John, so we'll spend some time talking about that as well. So I'm excited about Lord, you and me getting to yeah. interact together this morning.
1: Um, and I, I, I did think of this. Um, one of the things that happened to you all through the summer, you, know, you had Mike Vogt teaching here, and you had uh, Larry Kayser at um, Franklin. And um, so we would, we would debrief every Wednesday as we normally do to talk about how it went, what we're going forward. And um, uh, you, you had missed several of these meetings, but we we're seeing these meetings and the team every week would get on in a sense, you know, appropriately get on to, to, to Mike and Larry because they kept going over their time limit. <laughs> and so now I'm thinking here's you and I, <laughs> I go over my time, you go go over over your time, time, and together, we're gonna be here till one, perhaps. (laughs) It may happen.
0: It's 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 why we're not together. Yes, yes,
1: yes. Um, Y'all know this, when you go somewhere, you know, and you pull out your phone, you pull up your app, you type in the destination. Here's where I wanna get. But there's something else you've gotta put in, isn't there? It's like, yes, this is where I wanna go, but what's the other piece of information that's gotta go on your phone? No brain. Where am I? Where am I? Uh, That's what I wanna do in these few moments. I wanna answer the question, where are we? Not not just us locally, but globally, culturally, socially, in a sense, the broader picture, as well as, as, as the minutia. And when we think about where we are, it's not just necessary to know that so we know where we're going, Rob's gonna do that in a moment, but it's a biblical imperative. I want you to turn your Bibles. You know, had not been here in a while, but go to the Old Testament. So it's not in John. Go to the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles chapter 12. 1 Chronicles chapter 12 chronicles the lives of the kings. It's recording this time in history when David has been enthroned as king or he's been anointed as king, but he's not been enthroned as king. It's a very in-between time. Saul is still king. And God is bringing groups to David, you know, the promised future king. And first Chronicles 12 records those he's bringing. And look at chapter 12 verse look at verse 32. Says of this is the ESV. Don't hold hold the slide for a moment. Let me read the ESV first. It says of Issachar, men who had uh, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do, 200 chiefs and all their kinsmen under their command. Look up on the screen now. Here's the New Living Translation. Just says, you know, paraphrases it. You know, there was a tribe of Issachar, there were 200 leaders of the tribes with relatives. All these men understood the signs of the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. So here they're commended because they, they, they understood, you know, you know, anointed King, not yet enthroned. What's God doing in Israel? What's the state of the culture that they're living in? But it's not just an exercise in analysis. You all says they, they knew what to do. And as you read, they did that, which way, which they knew to do. And so it's a biblical imperative that we're aware, you know, where where are we uh, in light of our own time, our own day, our own historic moment? Uh, There's so many ways that Rob and I could do this. Like, I mean, how do you do that? And you know, I've got 13 minutes, how do I do that? Well, Rob and I felt like the best way for us to do it is to do it in a way that's familiar to fellowship, if you've been here a while. And it does, I think, give you a helpful grid by which to think about where, We are, so we said, let's do it through the grid of the heart. Now, if you're at fellowship, if you're new, new, you may not hear this, but we talk about the heart a lot because the Bible talks about the heart a lot, not the physical organ, but the center, the control center of life. This is what the Bible calls the heart. And the heart we know has got these, biblically, it has these four parts. You'll see it on the screen. It's our thoughts, it's our emotions, it's our desires, and that's our choices. And I go in that, I go that way for a reason. But we, we, think, we, we think with our heart, biblically, not, it's, they, don't, they, didn't have, they didn't have a brain head concept. It was, they think with the heart. You feel with the heart, it's the emotional center of life. There are desires and longings in the heart. It's where they, where, where, is, where do my longings come from? The heart. And then we choose from the heart, it's our our volition. And so with four questions, I'm just gonna walk us through, uh, where are we culturally, where are we as a church at this time in history? We're gonna start with, what are people thinking? Now, what I'm gonna talk about, it's arguable when I summarize this. So I understand that this is a summary. But I think we're getting close to a summary statement as I'll describe to you in a moment. But we asked the question, what are people thinking? I mean, gosh, we could go, I, I even said to Rob, I said, Rob, I could just throw it out to everyone. What's everybody, think? oh my gosh, can you imagine what would be popping up in the room in this day? And I would say at least these things, you know, what in the world's going on? <laughs> we're thinking, uh, this world's a, it's, it's, a, it's a mess. Um, are we gonna be okay? Is America gonna survive? You know, is, is the world coming to, you know, we, we could go on and on. Are we ever gonna get back to normal? I would say it this way, and I, I'm gonna summarize these in a word. And so I'll say it this way. In a word, I, I would say, what's, what are people thinking? The world's not working. You know, the world, it's, it's not working. And by the way, I'd say this, not just the world globally is not working, it's uh, my world is not working the way I thought it would. My heart, see, it gets very individual, my own heart, my own home is not working the way I thought it would. What are people feeling? Oh my goodness, now, we just sang a song that said, we're not gonna be shaped by our feelings, but what we understand is feelings are God's gift and we are gonna be informed by our feelings, gonna be aware of what we're feeling. God uses the emotional life, his own feelings, right? So we were aware of that. What are people feeling? And this one could go way off the charts, wouldn't it? But we would, I think we would at least say this, um, anxious, fearful, angry, maybe, maybe trapped, lost in limbo. New York Times read in 2021, they, they, had a word, they had an emotional word of the year and the word was languishing was the word they used, a a, a full word. It it carries the idea of uh, emptiness and blah. (laughs) You know, that was 2021's word. I would certainly think the emotion of fatigue, exhaustion, certainly it's a roller coaster going on, but I'm gonna say it in a word, okay? In a word, what are people feeling? I think hangry and anxious (laughs) would be a word, which I didn't know hangry is a real word. Yeah, shows up in 1956 in a journal article and, you know, Physiologically, it's true. you know, when you're hungry, you're irritable. <laughs> so we're hangry and we're anxious because we don't know do we, what's gonna happen. And I would suggest that the hangriness of us and our culture, it's not physical food. It's something way deeper and more significant, way biblical. We were made to long for and be satisfied in these two areas to belong and feel secure. We're made for that. And you tell me, most everything in our culture is subverting both of those things. Feeling hangry and anxious.
0: Hey Lloyd, before you move on, it strikes me about those words. Never have we probably lived in a culture that has as much to fill us and as much Uh, to protect us and yet the dominant emotions are Angry and anxious. Isn't that
1: interesting? When you say that, y'all think about, uh, I'm not going to go off on this rabbit trail too far, just a step, but you think about social media, all about connecting. Have you ever felt more disconnected in your life? Isn't that something? That's a great, great point. Well, what are people, um, what, what are they thinking? What are they feeling? It slips into. What are they desiring? This is different from a feeling. What's our longing? What do we want? This is God's put this within us. I certainly want an end to COVID. We want to get back to normal. We want to stop the meanness, the bickering. We want normal. We want peace. We want hope. Uh, we want a moral compass. We're made for that. We're made for, for righteousness. Certainly. We want justice. We want right to win out over wrong. I'm going to summarize it this way in a word, okay? A better life. We're made deep within. We, we want a we want better life and a better life. Um, The mess that, you know, we find ourselves in, I I, I said it this way, it breeds a discontent. Like life today, it it always has, breeds a discontent, but our discontent is on this volcano of anxiety and uh, uncertainty. And then what are people choosing? This is the one, you know, in other words, what are people doing? What are they saying and how are they acting? And, you know, this could... Certainly step on toes, including my own. A lot of tribalism, partisanship, fighting more than cooperating. People are, I think people are choosing control because when things are out of control, you choose control, hypervigilance perhaps. You know what's interesting? There's a lot of bucket list binging going on right now. Get it now before, because it may not be there. Buckling down, circling the wagons. I'm going to summarize it this way in a word. To go my own way. I think there's other things certainly, but there's a sense of I'll do I'll do it. I will go my own way, and the results of these things again. We could spend a lot of time on these. Let me just give you four statements, quotes, that just kind of touch on this and I think summarize it well, get to the essence. I wanna show you a quote. This is from Arthur C. Evans. He's a, the CEO of the uh, American Psychiatric Association, part of the Harris Polls. They do these things together, but he makes this quote. Americans have been doing their best to persevere over these past two past two tumultuous years. But these data suggest that we're now reaching, we're now reaching unprecedented levels of stress that will challenge our ability to cope. I mean, there's a weariness to the coping, so to speak, is there not? Here's something fascinating to me, and certainly for Rob and I, we think about this, but um, Barn has been doing research on pastoral work for years, ministry work and, you know, people quitting coming. How many are joining doing this uh, and the other. But notice this: number of persons quitting the pastorates at an all-time high. This is the most recent research they've done. Top three reasons: emotional exhaustion, feeling isolated and political division. I put 28 percent on there because of this. This is the first time that political division. Has shown up. And it's showing up in the top three. It's crazy, is it not? That, you know, and again, I think because it's bubbling up, we say out there. No, no, no. That's all in here. This is this in this room. It's in in, in every church. And then uh, this from Dr. Kara Powell, she's the executive director of Fuller Youth Institute. She says, since 2020, percentage of people suffering from anxiety has tripled, depression has quadrupled. Now, I, and I've read a lot over this last month, you all, and, and, and there, you, you're gonna see these numbers very similar wherever you look. What I found interesting, it was on a podcast, I was listening to her and she makes this statement. I mean, she's the director of this youth institute. She, she knows hundreds of families, but she said this, she says, she said, I don't know of a family who has young girls, teenage, adolescent girls, who isn't wrestling with one of these two things. I mean, I scratched. It. I said, she doesn't, she said, I don't know of a family. And she knows many. I don't know of one that, that if they have girls, that isn't struggling with these two things. And then finally, uh, this is uh, uh, an interview, this out of the Atlantic that uh, Peter Warner, I, I enjoy his writing, he was speaking with Russell Moore and he made this comment, we live in an era of acute anxiety and great fear And as a result, too often Christians end up wrapping Jesus into our angry and fearful distortions. And uh, I could say a lot about this, but I only say that, boy, when he said wrapping Jesus in our distortions, whoo, that's pretty insightful for our day. Y'all, I've been reading, listening to all of this cultural stuff, you know, studying, quite frankly, uh, not just for this morning, but for our study through the Gospel of John. And uh, that's the kind of stuff I don't need to be reading. <laughs> you know, as someone who I've said struggles with anxiety and, and, and depression, and so I'm reading all this stuff and I'm telling you the words, you know, and I began to make a list and, and I'm just have a partial one I'm gonna say. I began to make lists, what are the words that show up in the podcast articles and ver- wider reading, you know, in all areas? Fragmentation, division, isolation, hyper-individualism, hyper hyper-competitiveness, factions, triviality, exhaustion, all of these things. But may I say, and I mean this when I say it, I am not discouraged. I am not anxious and I am not depressed. If I were, I would tell you, and I don't mean to be facetious about that, but I'm gonna live before you how I'm walking with Jesus. And I'm walking with an amazing amount of hope in these days, even studying all of this, you all, in large part, because what Rob's gonna talk about next and because what we're gonna discover when we walk through over the course of at least a year, the gospel of John.
0: Mm. You know, Lloyd, when we were this week in the conference room talking about this message and, and we were walking through the heart and asking yeah. what, are, what are people thinking? What are people desiring? And I have to admit my, my, where my brain was, was oh, that the culture out there is thinking that. The culture out there is desiring and feeling. And to hear it mm-hmm. back this morning it's just hidden close to home. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's in me. I know it's in you, mm-hmm. we've talked. It's in my family, it's in y'all's family. But this is where we wanna transition from where we are to where we're going. It's no accident Mm-mm. that we are here in this time, and this place, in a church like this.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I wanna talk about the mission that Jesus has given us as a mm-hmm. church. And anytime you talk about the mission of the church, you have to start with the big picture mission of the church, not just Fellowship Bible Church, but the church that Jesus established before he ascended back into heaven. So turn in your Bibles now to the New Testament, Matthew, the very end of Matthew chapter 28, some of the very last words that you're gonna find in Matthew's gospel are what people tend to call the great commission. Well, why do we call it that? Jesus is giving us exactly what he wants us to focus on. Like, have you ever thought about the church as is, is not just a nice thing to belong to or a nice place to come? The church is, is an organism. It's, an, it's called an institution at times, but it has a mission. It has a purpose. Like, Jesus breathed breath into it for a reason. And here's the reason that Jesus established the church. It's right here, Matthew 28. I'll read verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came to, and said to them, them being his followers, his disciples, not just the 12, but the whole group of people that were following him, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's the mission Jesus mm-hmm. gave the church, and if you wanna just say it it as easily, simply as you can, make disciples of all nations. Now, why did Jesus assign the church with that priority? And of course, when he says make disciples, he's talking about disciples of himself. He's saying, multiply your life, Your, your followers, your disciples, now multiply that in others. Why did Jesus make that the priority? Not because Jesus has a big ego and he wants a bunch of followers to, to satisfy his ego. That's not the Jesus we read about in the gospels. But because Jesus' life had blazed a new path for human beings. The, the life and, and death and resurrection of Jesus had opened up a door that makes possible for human beings what is impossible for human beings apart from Jesus. And in a word, that is life. mm mm-hmm. Life itself, Jesus described it as the abundant life or fullness of life, eternal life, the the, the kind of life that that starts now through faith in Jesus and will transcend into eternity. And so another way to think about this, when someone becomes a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ, it reorients their whole heart Mm -hmm. around something new. And, And that thing that it reorients their heart around is actually a person. Mm-hmm. And what John is going to tell us about the person is he is life. Mm-hmm. We're going to see that in the first few verses yeah. next week. So for 2,000 years, the church has been struggling to carry out this mission and all across the eras, all across <laughs> the geographies. You now how do we make disciples? How do we help people follow Jesus? How do we point to Jesus in a way that shows that he's life? You won't find life apart from him. And now is our time. You know, uh, I'm I'm a big fan of the Olympic games. I always enjoy watching those and they come every four years. And and I love paying attention to that torch ceremony that goes all throughout from the last place the Olympics held all across the world to the new place. And then it gets handed and it gets lit, that big cauldron at the end at the big moment of the opening ceremonies. I want you to see us in the context of carrying the torch of the mission of Jesus Christ. This is our time and this is our place Jesus has put us here for Mm -hmm. a purpose. So here's what I wanna share with you. Over the last couple of years, we've actually taken this time of disruption, you know, global pandemic, we couldn't meet for a while. We've taken this time of disruption and we've asked ourselves, how would God invite us to rethink what we are prioritizing? Because when you hit a time that you can't do the big thing, you can't do the big worship service that we're so accustomed to, we were shut down for those months then if a church mistakenly thinks that the mission is to have a great worship service, where is that church? We don't want that to be us. And so as we've thought about kind of coming out of this pandemic now, as we've thought about what we've learned from it, there are two insights that I wanna share with you. and We'll put them on the screen. You know, insight number one, I'm calling these sort of post-COVID insights as, as we've prayed and thought about this. We must refocus our efforts on making disciples. Of Jesus, I think it is easy for churches in our day and age to think that their mission is to have great worship services, attract a lot of people, have good programming for the kids and do all these things. That matters, but it's a means to an end, not the end. The end is what Jesus commanded us. And we've got to make sure that everything we do from our worship services to our groups, to our children and student ministry, all of it is focused on making disciples of Jesus. What's a disciple of Jesus? A disciple of Jesus is someone who obeys what he taught and imitates how he lived. We've got to focus on that. And and so we believe we've gotten more and more clear in the last couple of years on what we're to be about. In fact, and I haven't been here, you've been here since the very beginning. I've only been here the last seven, eight years, but I'll say this. I feel like we're as clear as I've ever seen Mm -hmm. on what Jesus is calling us to be about as a church. Yeah, that's good. The second insight is that we must create and protect unity in our body. And Lloyd, this goes back to what you were sharing earlier about the, the you know, fracturing and the disintegration all around us. This really stood out to us like a sore thumb during the last couple of years. And guys, there are churches all over America that are splitting and dividing right now over things that have very little to do about Jesus. Mm. And I wanna share with you, just by God's kindness, that's not been our story. And, and I don't smell any of that around fellowship but I wanna stay far away from Mm -hmm. it. And I think the way to stay far away from it is to focus on the main thing. And that's Jesus Christ and the mission that he has given us to Mm -hmm. make disciples. So we must create and protect unity. And I'll say this about unity. Unity does not mean we have to all see things the same way. I hope that's never true at fellowship because that that would mean we're just sort of this, you know, robots going in the same direction. But here's our definition of unity. Unity is when our hearts belong to the same person and we are all committed to the same mission. Mm. Hearts belong to the same person, all committed to the same mission. That's what we wanna focus on uh, coming out of these last two years of uncertainty. And so with these two priorities in mind, we believe we're more clear than we've ever been on what Jesus is calling us to be about as a church. And so much so that we've actually decided we we wanna adjust the wording of our mission statement just a little bit. We wanna tweak it just a little bit because we're clearer than we've ever been. Mm -hmm. And we think we want that mission statement to be as clear as it's ever been. Before
1: you hit that, let me say this, because I think about it in, in my own reading, and, and, and I know you'd feel this in, in your own experience, when you said, Rob, this is our time, this is our opportunity. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm older, so, you know, I, I, I've got a, none of us know how long we have, but at my age, I know I'm, you know, I'm not going to be here super long. Um, but this moment, may I say, in the last two to three years, and what we've been through as a as a country, as a as a as a global community, um, it has prepared uh, the church, I think, for an unbelievable opportunity, unbelievable, uh, an opportunity we may not see again in our lifetime. When all this disruption is an opportunity for the gospel, it's the songs we've been singing, the light, you know, it's like yes. It, that's why I actually get excited. When you start stepping into this mission, I go, thank God, give me more years to live this mission out." because I don't know that we have experienced a moment like this in our American history as we're experiencing right now that we get to make Jesus known. Mm. So I'm stoked about that.
0: That, that just gives me this, that sense of hope that you were it talking does, about earlier. I, I really appreciate you sharing that. So from these two statements, you know, in number one, we're not going to be about a show. And I don't think fellowship's ever been about a show, but more than ever, we're going to focus on the priority of helping people follow Jesus with everything they are. Number two, create and protect unity in our body. Let's talk about the way we say our mission. And you know, we believe words create worlds. Mm-hmm. So in a sense, there's a thousand ways you could articulate a church's mission statement, but we want to get clearer and clearer with ours because we think that really matters. So here's the way we've been saying it. We'll put, put that next slide on the screen. To glory glorify God and make disciples by helping people find wholehearted life in Jesus. That's a good statement. I like that, I still like that statement, but but I wanna tell you why we're we're changing some words into something that that I think we love even more. So let me me put it on the screen. Here's our, our new articulation of our mission. Becoming a community of people who follow Jesus with our whole heart and help others do the same. Now, let me tell you why we're changing it and, and why we think it matters. There's several things about this new articulation that I really appreciate and, and that we've come to really like about this new way to say the, the, the statement. The first thing is, do you see how it preserves our focus on the heart, the whole heart that matters to us as Lloyd was sharing earlier, but it does it in a way that I think's more clear. Mm-hmm. In the old mission statement, when we said, we want you to find a wholehearted life, people look at us a little funny, like, w- w- what does that mean, wholehearted life? And that wholehearted word, almost a little bit of a buzzword mm-hmm. a little bit, and it required some explanation. This one's a little more clear. We want you to follow Jesus with your whole heart. Mm-hmm. That's all that you are. And as the Bible says, your heart is the control center of your whole person. Mm-hmm. And it just mirrors the call of Jesus on the disciples. So I really, I really like that change. Mm-hmm. We were brainstorming different ideas for tweaking this. And at one point, when we saw this version, it, Lloyd made this comment, and it's always stuck with me. He said, the old version focused on finding a thing, wholehearted life in Jesus. The new version focuses on following a person. And that's what we want to be about. Mm-hmm. We want to follow Jesus with everything we are, with our whole hearts and help others do the same. So that's the first thing I like, the the way it sort of takes that emphasis on the heart, but sort of reorients it in a way that I think is even more focused on Jesus. The second thing I appreciate about this articulation is it breaks down into three easy to remember parts that explain everything we do at our church. Mm Becoming a community of people. That, that means we need to move together and we need to invite outsiders in. We wanna form a community of people. We wanna focus on relationships more than we ever have a fellowship. That was God's little signal that he's in agreement mm-hmm. with that right there. <laughs> All right. So, but what do we do after we've sort of formed a community? You know, this is a community, by the way, our groups, our communities, our classes, our communities. And we're moving into each other more and more in the way we think about relationship. Well, what kind of community do we wanna form? The kind of community who's learning to follow Jesus with our whole heart. That's where discipleship will come in and teaching and training to obey everything that Jesus commanded. That's that part of our mission. But it can't stop there. That third line matters so much. There's the go into all the world and make disciples. Help others do the same. Which others am I supposed to help? The ones that Jesus puts in your path. What am I supposed to do with them? Help them do the same thing you're learning to do, Mm -hmm. which is to follow Jesus with your whole heart. And so I really like the way those three statements summarize everything we're about here at fellowship. And, and then there's one more thing real quick and I'll turn it back over to you, Lloyd, that, that I've really come to appreciate about this statement. It's impossible to read that statement as a part of this body and not understand that you're in the mission, you're a part of the mission. In other words, I I think sometimes with the old statement, you in the congregation, you you could hear us say that and say, oh, that's my church's mission. As in, that's Robin Lloyd's mission, Mm -hmm. that's the elder's mission, that's the staff's mission, to help people find wholehearted life in Jesus. And I, in in the chairs out here, I'm one of the people that they are helping find wholehearted life in Jesus. Guys, that's that's never what we meant. Mm -mm. This articulation says, oh, I'm a part of this community of people. I'm being called to follow Jesus with, with my whole heart and that, that our whole heart is just a reference back to us, you know, together. And I'm called to help others do the same. We are all in together on this mission. And and I don't think you can escape that with the way that this is worded. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm grateful for that about it as well. Mm-hmm. From where we
1: are, uh, you know, as I walk through that in the beginning to where we're going. Rob, thank you for uh, walking through Mission. It's our destination. Uh, Is
0: that your phone? (laughs) Wait, hold on, hold on. Yes, Lord. (laughs) Oh, it's your daughter. That's Sally. If you're watching
1: online, Sally, I can't believe you called me and I had my phone on. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Um, So (laughs) that'll be on film. That'll be there. so from, 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 from our mission to what's next? I mean, what is next? Practical, what's in front of us, what do you? Do? The Gospel of John. Y'all, This as we work through this revised mission, we knew that it would be so important that we go into a book that shows us what it looks like to follow Jesus. Yeah. And we're gonna be there for over a year. You know, we'll have breaks for Christmas other times, so but we're gonna be looking at what it means to follow Jesus. And it's interesting, the Gospel itself follows the, the, the three parts of our mission. What does Jesus do in the beginning of that? He calls a community of people together. And what does he do secondly? He says, you guys follow me. You do not need to know Greek or ancient history to know what he meant. Follow me. And, and you said it. So it's, it's to be so close to him that we see what he does, we hear what he says, and we do it. You know, that's so simple. Follow me. And then he ends this, the, the gospel just like the other... Um, synoptic gospels, which is, and now what, 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 what you're doing, go help someone else do the very same. And I, I didn't say this earlier, but I, you know, when you think about making disciples and that, y'all, everything I read, and I totally resonate and agree with it, you look at how the church responded to COVID, and I'm not, I'm not gonna throw the church under the bus, but we, we haven't responded well as Christians, just like globally, I don't think, why? And, and, and all of them point to this, a lack of spiritual, Formation, a lack of discipleship. I mean, we just behaved the way we were, <laughs> so we hadn't got, we, we hadn't shaped Christ in us. And I'm talking about me, to the degree that maturity would call for. So, Gospel of John, um, he, he, you know, he he gives us that simple command, follow me. They follow him for three years, and then they do exactly what he did. You guys know the Gospel of John is the Gospel of belief. I mean, if if you've read John, you know the purpose statement there in uh, chapter 20. I'll throw it up on the screen. John says clearly, why did I choose these particular events? And by the way, they're all out of order. He leaves a lot of stuff out that the other ones include. He said, I have a reason for the things I'm saying. And he says it this way, the disciples saw Jesus do many other miracles, signs, miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. Do not miss this. It's the gospel of belief. There is no biblical belief if it's not matched by biblical behavior. It it, it doesn't exist. Biblical belief shows itself. It behaves a certain way. And I, I gotta believe when we get through John. If, if we are not behaving differently, having gone through John, we haven't studied it, we haven't got it, we're not really following Jesus. It's gonna require something of each one of us to follow Jesus, how he invites us to follow him in a fresh, in a new way. Let me, let me, let me yeah. jump
0: in and say this because, that's the solution to the problem that we talked about earlier.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It, we, we know that. Like, we know it's Jesus. We know it's the life of Jesus. Here, here's what really wrestles with, mm-hmm. in my mind. The culture out there thinks they've already heard that mm-hmm. because they've heard it in a way that, that honestly wasn't embodied. It, they've heard it in a way of, oh, yeah, yeah, it, it's Chris, Jesus. It's Jesus Christianity. And yet the church, by and large, has not actually modeled the mm-hmm. life of Jesus by and large. And so mm-hmm. when, when you talk about belief also going into behaving, that, that's my heart and desire for yeah. us is that we would actually become more like Jesus yeah. in this study.
1: It's a great reminder. Let me go back to where I started. Thoughts, emotions, desires, and choices. Where we are. Just real quickly, notice this. I'll put it on the screen. In a word, world's not working. Emotionally, in a word, hangry and anguish, a- anxious. Desires, in a word, it, Better life, I want a better life. And choices in a word to go my own way. Now just look at this for a minute and let me say this. And I don't think I'm stretching to say it. That looks a lot like the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter three. That for Adam and Eve in innocence and sinlessness perfection, They said, it's not working for us, really? Emotionally, angry and anxious, I think think there was something within them that said, "There's there's gotta be more than trusting you God and that being life and life in its fullness. And so what did they desire? Why would they walk away from Eden but they thought they would get something better on their own, and how did they get it? The last one, what'd they choose? Well, they choose to go their own way. And the nut doesn't fall far from the tree because that's what we do and still do to this day. Let me go back through this, though, and as we go through the Gospel of John, here's what we're gonna find, and you know this, I'm speaking to the choir in many ways. When we think about thoughts, as what John's gonna implant in us is this, in a word, God's in control and I can trust him. There's the thought. How do we know that? Because Jesus trusted his Father and trusted his purpose and his plan. We look at Jesus to know that thought is what's true. Emotionally, in a word, John shows us what it means to find contentment and satisfaction because where do we see it? Jesus utter utterly content to be in his father's will. Jesus the, the, the picture of life is God intended which goes to desires in a word what do we find in Jesus? Rob already mentioned it. What did Jesus say in John 10 10? I came that you might have life and have it more abundant flourishing life. Where do we find that? In the In the God-man Jesus. And then finally, choices in a word. What are the choices that Jesus made? Faith, hope, and love. Paul will articulate that, of course. But Jesus perfectly obeying the Father, trusting the Father in faith, hope, and in love. And so what we find is Jesus at the very center of all things. And as we go through the Gospel of John, um, it's... (laughs) We're gonna be called to that over and over and over again. Y'all, when I, I said earlier, you know, we, 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 gosh, if can we just get back to pre-COVID, that's shooting way too low. That's just way low. Because what our hearts desire, may I say this, the deepest desire of our heart is the garden. But may I say this, we're never gonna go back to that garden because God has prepared a future garden that's more glorious than that one. A future kingdom that is promised and secured in Jesus. Now we're not there yet, okay? But what we find in John is those of us who follow Jesus is that we bring the reality of that kingdom to the here and now. The presence of Christ in us, in the the here and in the now, and in the mess that we know this world has always been in since the fall. I can't wait to walk through that book because it does produce in us the scent and the beauty, not of that garden, but of the one to come.
0: Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Lloyd, when you were talking about that, and, and Joe, if you don't mind, leave this slide on the screen for a minute. When, when you talked about all these things fulfilled in Jesus Christ, it, it, it made me remember how when, when we draw the heart and we have the quadrants, oh, yeah. what ends up right in the center, in the center is the cross. cross. And that's just yep. a reminder for us that, that he's at the center and he longs to be mm-hmm. at the center of everything we are. And I do want to ask you a question, Lloyd. When, what, what is your definition of a word?
1: It's good. Now that you ask, may I present my defense? No. So this is all seriousness, when you say this, this immediately comes to my mind. Okay, I'm talking about controversy, but I'm gonna say it anyways. So so, so my, my wife, Lisa, is a one on the Enneagram. Now there's some, you know, Enneagram, you know, it's black and white, it's literal, it's concrete. I'm a nine on the Enneagram, and I am a, gr- everything's gray to me. Everything's black water. So, so it's so funny that I would say in a word, that it, it's like this, She'll t- she will say that, she, has said, she said in the last two weeks, she said to someone, she said, oh yeah, to Lloyd, a couple, you know, to me, a couple means two, but to Lloyd, a couple means three, five, six, I'll be home in a couple hours. And so it's just that way. In a word, worse, worse. In a phrase, but it's way shorter than what I had before. That's it. (laughs) That's a word.
0: Can I borrow a couple bucks? Yes. (laughs) That's good. That was good. That was good. All right. I I want to share with you one, one last thing. I think we'll encourage you, and then we're going to sing a song in a few minutes as we sort of wrap up this morning. But. This past week, we have our every other Wednesday, we get together with our elder team, and we spent a good amount of time in the Gospel of John, just anticipating the beginning of this study. And mm-hmm. I asked them, what do you appreciate about this book? What has the Gospel of John meant to you in your lives? And it was so encouraging to me to hear their answers to that. There's, there's just mm-hmm. all kinds of verses and places in the Gospel of John that have really been a big part of their spiritual journeys, and for me as well. And then I asked the second question, what is your hope for our body? as we walk through the gospel of John over the next year. And I wanna to read to you what they said. I, I wrote them all down because they were, they were all so helpful. And I want you to know that your elder team, as they were talking and praying this week about this series, uh, th- this is what they're desiring. And I wanna to read to th- these as the band comes out and then we're gonna sing a song together in a minute. Here's what they said, that we will be able to see Jesus with fresh eyes. That we will experience Jesus in a way that will unite us as a community. That others will know who we are by our love for each other. Mm -hmm. That we would understand Jesus' heart and desire for us. That we would experience the kindness of God through Jesus as he interacts with his disciples and others. That we would see Jesus' life in a way that would amaze us. And give us a desire to imitate and follow him. That we would have an encounter with the risen Jesus who lived among us in order to understand our pain and teach us how to live. And finally, that Jesus would seem as close and accessible to Mm. us as he was to those who lived during his time. I want to ask you to consider that question for a minute yourself. What is your hope for yourself, for your family, for your friends that you know here, for us as a body, as a church? What, what is your hope for yourself and our church as we journey through the gospel of John together? Just take mm-hmm. a minute or so, and just think about that before we sing.
1: Let me invite you to stand, please. Go ahead and stand up. I'm gonna sing a song of response. And it strikes me as I was, we were talking through that and, and you know, what we're gonna find is John To show us that Jesus has come, that we might have life and have it abundantly. Let me clarify, okay? Abundant life is not the absence of problems and hurt and pain and loss in this broken world. We gotta be careful how we define that. Jesus Christ lived the penultimate abundant life. He died at 33 an innocent man, a travesty of justice. So just know this, when we choose to follow him and that happens to us, that's the abundant life. It's not the absence of sadness or grief. It's the presence of Jesus in every part of this crazy life and the highs and lows and knowing that he's enough and knowing that we're not home yet. We get a taste of it, but we're not home yet. So in the interim, may we do this. May we trust and bring Jesus to every part of our being and every person we interact with and every place God puts us. Put Jesus right there in the center. As we're going to sing in a moment, let's choose to speak Jesus, 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 more fully from our whole heart as we follow him.